0: This episode of Paper Team is brought to you by the Tracking Board's Launchpad writing competitions. In just four years, the Launchpad has helped 216 writers get signed, 68 projects get set up, 35 writers get stuffed, and led to four bidding wars. Paper Team listeners can save $15 off the next purchase by using the code PAPERTEAM, all caps, all one word. To check out the current and upcoming competitions, visit tblaunchpad.com and see how the Launchpad can jumpstart your professional writing career.
1: Welcome to Paper Team, a podcast about television writing and becoming a TV
0: writer. I'm Alex Friedman, a.k.a. TV Calling. And I'm Nick Watson on Twitter at underscore NJWatson. And
1: today we're going to be celebrating our 50th episode, Nick. Oh my God. five
0: oh! That explains the fancy violin music.
1: Yes, we have fancy violin music. We can thank Joseph, our friend Joseph, for crafting this wonderful piece of music that will live <laughs> In our lives now forever. Maybe we'll just use that from now on. Huh? <laughs> maybe. maybe. PM <laughs> but yeah, it has been almost one year since we launched Paper Team onto the airwaves. And for the occasion, we wanted to take a look back at some of our favorite episodes and favorite topics, as well as catching up with some of our amazing guests to see what they've been up to. So let's do it. Put on your bow ties and pop the champagne. <laughs> So the first thing we wanted to do was highlighting some of our favorite moments and episodes of the past year and kind of give out our own updates on them, either in our own lives or in the TV business
0: itself. So very appropriately, the first one is a follow up on our following up episode, PTO7. As many of you know, my day job is in uh, literary management and production, and I've discovered as someone who's hearing pitches a lot and requesting to read scripts from writers who are looking for management or to get into production, that writers really do have to be persistent if you want someone to read that script. Things will fall off your radar very easily. It's a very busy job and a lot of stuff is happening. So if I forget about a script and no one ever like emails me to check back in about it, there's a good chance it will never get read or other scripts are going to pile on top of that and take priority first. So... It really does help if someone respectfully follows up once a month or something. I'm probably going to at least take a look at it, if nothing other than to get you to stop emailing me. (laughs) Is that what happens with my own email? You just (laughs) reply to them just
1: because I keep emailing you back? Maybe, Alex, maybe. I mean, on the flip side, if you're the one offering to read someone, don't be an a-hole and just ignore them. A couple of months ago, I actually had someone from a production company looking for specific scripts. I sent one of my own scripts to her. She acknowledged reception, saying she would let me know if it fit their production needs, adding, quote, if you don't hear back from me within a week, please feel free to follow up. So I thought, awesome, permission to follow up. When do you get that? 10 days later, still no answer, so I followed up. Then complete radio silence for a month. Now, during that time, I mentioned that whole email exchange with a friend who turns out also reached out to that very same company and very same person and had a similar ghosting experience. Then two days later, that person at that production company finally reaches back saying, hi, Alex, I really enjoyed your work. I want to discuss it with our development lead early next week to see if it is a project that we would want to pursue further we'll let you know how it goes so i'm like awesome finally got a positive reception for my script Blah 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 so i immediately text my friend to let him know that oh that person that we both reached out she finally replied to me so maybe she's gonna to reply to you turns out she replied to him at the exact same time with the exact same email even though our two scripts could not have been more different from one another. Mine was kind of a one hour peer drama, his was like a goofy family half hour. So it was kind of obvious with the wording that she was just copy pasting the positive feedback just to kind of assuage us and probably never actually read anything because both of our scripts were so specific in their world that you would have at least mentioned a single element of it in your reply. And the fact that she didn't, in my mind, showed that she didn't really read anything. So the bottom line is this, it left both of us a very negative image of this person and this company for not only ghosting us initially, but then leading us on
0: with the hope of something more at the company, even though nothing was read. Yeah, I mean, that's a little disappointing. I certainly don't think that that's a good way to go about saying that we're not interested in your script or that kind of thing. If you're just trying to let you down softly, you shouldn't be dangling a carrot and then just never following up again. I think that there are much better ways to handle that. I do understand the pressures of being in that situation where you have a lot of work going on. But there are definitely, you can get your interns to take a look. You can read the first 10 pages. And if it's interesting, you keep reading. If it's not, send a polite email saying, I'm sorry we had a look and it doesn't fit what we're looking for. I you mean, know?
1: you can even be straight up and be like, I'm sorry I've got a lot of things on my plate. Mm-hmm. I just can't take a look at this script. But exactly. again, in this context, she was the one reaching out. So it yeah. was kind of strange that she kind of ghosted us. And even if it didn't resonate, then at least acknowledge it. And, and let's move on. That's fine. But as you put it so succinctly, dangling a carrot
0: above the writer's head is kind of the wrong way of doing
1: business in my mind, but whatever.
0: Well, what actually happens when you do get read and someone responds to it and they want to bring you in for a meeting or talk more about that script? Yeah, that's kind of like our episode PT29, Nick, getting (laughs) read. But yeah, on a more positive front,
1: I actually recently had a meeting at a production company. And the way that happened was that actually a manager there was looking for new writers to add to their roster and they were looking for scripts to read. And it was more of a sci-fi high concept production company. So I was considering sending my period piece, which was a higher concept than my family legal drama. But a friend of mine who used to work there said, don't worry about it. Send your strongest piece of writing, whatever that is. It doesn't matter if it's high concept, low concept. If it's good writing, they're going to care about you. And at the time, I thought my family legal trauma was the stronger sample. So I sent that. And cut to a month later, smash and- two. <laughs> a month later, <laughs> smash cut 2 uh, we we're meeting in his office and talking about my show. And turns out they were actually looking for writers with more, quote, literary sensibilities were his words. And I fit the bill with my own kind of legal family drama script. And then I pitch him some of the other things on my roster. And then again, he seems much more interested in the pilot I'm, I'm actually finishing right now, which is a very different sort of piece of content from the rest of their production lineup. So don't judge a book by its cover or write what you think is hot or is going to appeal to a production company just because it's some kind of trend, but write what you really want to write and send out there what you think is the better sample, regardless of whether you think it's necessarily going to be the perfect sample. I feel like that's kind of the, my takeaway, at least for this.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And as we've discussed before, particularly with managers and agents, they are often looking to build a well-rounded roster of writers. And so they are looking for someone who does the sci-fi genre. And if they already have those people, then maybe they're looking for someone who does the half-hour comedies, who does this or that. So you never know exactly what they're looking for at that time. So don't be afraid to just send your best writing and hope that that will shine through. And the same can be said for representation, right, Nick? So speaking of representation, like we discussed back in BT 31 we have some good news. Kelly and I were signed by an agent last year in December. Yeah. So basically that came about through putting feelers out there in our network of friends, other assistants, coordinators, and just seeing if they knew any young and hungry agents who were out there kind of looking for material and looking for new clients. And so a friend of ours was an agent's assistant, and he knew this agent was looking for writers in our niche. They really wanted an animation writing team. Like we were saying before, people looking for things to build their roster. So, and this assistant had previously read our stuff really liked it so he said he'd be happy to pause us along they ended up setting up a meeting a few days later we were sure that they hadn't even read the scripts at that point so we kind of figured she just wanted to get a sense of us in the room and either way maybe at least trusted her assistant's recommendation enough to bring us in for a face-to-face so smash two a couple of weeks later <laughs> We hadn't heard a reaction in an email as to what she thought of scripts or anything, but we showed up and we just started chatting with her about our lives, you know, where we come from, how we started writing together and just had a really great time and got along really well. And then she said that she'd read one of our scripts and really liked it. And then told us that we were really great in the room, just chatting there with her. You know, she was confident that she'd be able to send us into a room with execs and other people like that and showrunners and give them a good impression. So she actually signed us in the room, which she said she usually never does. And yeah, which is, you know, a huge surprise to us because we didn't even know she'd read the script, let alone wanted to sign us on the spot. So we're super happy about that. And it's been going really well so far. That's awesome. Now there were also some
1: updates on more of the T V medium and business end and the first one I want to talk about is a follow up to our Australian T V episode PT Eighteen where we had your good friend Chris Corbett on and well let me just say this, the second season of Australian Survivor looks amazing, Nick. Yeah, I don't think Chris is working on that. But sorry, it was more of a
0: <laughs> follow up on uh, Australian TV itself. Yeah, that's fine. Um Honestly, I don't pay that much attention to Australian TV anymore now that I'm over here and like HBO is like hooked into my veins and stuff. Ooh. I haven't really been looking back at what's on the air, but I think there is some good stuff coming out. So, including Australian Survivor. I'm a huge Survivor fan. What can I say? <laughs>
1: And then I think you have an update on the, uh,
0: the managing finances yeah, episode, uh, right? <laughs> Very important update. I'm broke. Please send help. I'm going to start a GoFundMe. No, I'm not. That, that, that was just a throwaway joke there. GoFundMe slash PaperTeam. <laughs> <laughs> Are there any real updates on the finance episode, Docs?
1: Uh, I don't know if there are any updates. I mean, the, there was a big special man that got elected, oh, yeah. um, and it's that that's going to ruin your healthcare. That's going to ruin your healthcare for sure. I mean,
0: although apparently California is voting through single payer, so we'll see what happens. Theoretically,
1: that. I don't know if it's ever going to happen, but. Hopefully you will. Uh, If you haven't listened to our managing finances episode, which is PT16, definitely take a listen to it. I think now more than ever, it is incumbent and is so vital for you to put money aside just in case you don't know what happens. That was a really
0: good episode that uh, taught all of us a lot about managing money. Yeah, it's so important as a writer. You never know when your next paycheck's going to come or if you're going to get stuffed again this season to really have an eye on that.
1: And a sort of last business update was about the web series PT27 episode where we discussed OTTs with good friend Sam Miller and specifically CISO. I mean, we talked a lot about over-the-top networks over the past few months, especially as I just said, the Sam Miller episode, as well as the writing on the binge episode. Turns out at the time, I did mention that in my mind, OTTs are a lot like cable, where you have a lot of the big networks like CBS, ABC, and so forth that are kind of represented by Netflix and Hulu on the OTT front. And then you have the more specialized OTTs like CISO, which is NBC's own OTT. And I felt like much like cable, where you saw the advent of all these networks, some of them went extinct because they simply could not find viewers. And I thought, okay, well, the OTT model At some point down the line, it's going to be the same thing where you have all these companies wanting to cash in on the OTT idea of, oh, pay us $5 a month to get content and we'll all be happy ever after. But the truth is, if you don't have like sort of a a real marketing campaign or a real idea behind that content, then your OTT may fail. And turns out that may be what is happening right now. Since recently, you may have heard that CISO went through some big layoffs. That's right. And CISO, which is actually NBC Universal's comedy streaming service, if you haven't heard, I mean, it's in the middle of a huge restructuring, which may lead to its demise. So in my mind, that is kind of the first step of what may be to come with OTTs where you have all those specialized OTTs, which could be a good thing, but if you don't really have a full idea of the target audience and getting that audience, I think it's a huge, huge issue.
0: Yeah, it's such a strange thing because as we've spoken about time and time again, those subscription-based services thrive by offering a really broad amount of content to people so that you, you bring in the widest possible audience and you get the most amount of subscriptions. It doesn't matter how many people are watching one particular show, it just matters how many people are subscribing every month. And so if you specialize and you get really niche, unless there is a substantial base in that niche of people, of subscriber base, then it just seems like it's shooting itself in the foot to me. For sure. I mean, you got to
1: question how many fans of Monty Pythons are ready to pay like $5 a month in perpetuity to have access to the CISO or whatever that IFC type niche is. Mm -hmm. And apparently not that many. And the same can be asked for sci-fi. We don't really have yet sci-fi, science fiction, OTT, but I'm sure that's going to come. And then at that point, you know, how many people are going to be willing to put in the money to see original sci-fi shows online? I think that's going to be a good question to see if it's the future of OTT. Yeah, we'll wait and see. Now that we've highlighted some other awesome episodes,
0: what are your favorite PT team episodes, Nick? What do you like about our own podcast? This <laughs> feels very self serving <laughs> but uh, no, I mean, honestly, a lot of the time it is the ones where we have great guests. And I think that one of the ones that really stands out for me is the early PT14 diversity episode with kelly and frankie i just think it was a really great to hear their viewpoint and their experiences that as white dudes we're not used to and we don't have to go through and i think that everyone who's in the industry or aspiring to be should listen to that episode on repeat and another one i really love is a more recent one pt43 the interview we did with gary suntz i think he just had a lot of great kind of philosophical insight into the bigger picture of being a writer and what it takes to follow this dream of ours
1: for sure. I mean, similarly, I really liked the Hillary episode we did very recently. I found, much like the diversity episode that you brought up in the Gary episode, it's always interesting to hear other people's point of views and kind of take on the industry, how they're perceiving the TV business and their own way of breaking in, because there just isn't one way. And also, I really liked Alison Taffel's Bojack Horseman episode, because I'm a Zoe, we're going to say. Yeah, big fan of that show, too. And it was awesome to get that insight into the behind the scenes. And on the writing end, I really like the episode on act breaks as well as the one on TV viewing habits, which are PT 15 and PT 42. Both are aspects of TV writing I feel like haven't really been talked about elsewhere in as much depth as we did. That's true. You don't really
0: see kind of like courses like online, how to write an act break. So it's something that's a little underrepresented. For me on the writing side, I think that PTO6, bringing the writer's room process home is a classic. I think it's definitely one of our our most listened to episodes. And it's probably due for a re-listen for me and for, for some others. So I think we just cover a lot of bases and really illuminate what makes TV writing so different to any other writing in a practical way and how you can kind of get yourself ready for that now before you're in a room. And the other one I really like is PT36, Writing Themes and Values. That's kind of a pet thing of mine in writing, because I think ultimately that's what writing's all about. It's why we write, and we can't afford to lose sight of that when you're sitting down to write a script. I've got, what is it? I think I've got a single tier. Oh, the return of the single Ooh. tier. <laughs> all
1: right, we've taken a look at some of our best episodes, but now let's catch up with some of our, <laughs> I don't know about best guests, but some of our guests at the very least.
0: <laughs> First up, we're going to catch up with Tan Martin from PT38, our WonderCon Writer vs. Fandom panel. And she's going to give us an update on some exciting developments for her in the Lucifer Writer's Room.
2: Since we last spoke during my episode, I've done a couple of things. We were on hiatus between Lucifer Seasons 2 and 3. I got to serve on jury duty during that time. Everyone should serve if you get called in. Please go. We need good people to sit in on juries, so things go fairly. Separately from that, I also, I've been working with the Lady Parts Collective. It's a women's collective. Right now, we are currently working on a project called The Grey, It's a script that we've been writing over the last year and a half. We went out into our communities, uh, interviewed a lot of people about a, a particular topic. This topic we chose was actually sexual assault because it was the one that we felt was most relevant to the women in our community at the time. So we've been working on that for a year and a half. We just finished the first draft of our script. We're now in the process of rewrites, getting ready for our first public read through we've got a lot of things going on with that so you can actually find us at uh, ladypartscollective.com we're also on facebook as well as twitter and instagram though i'll admit we are really working on picking up our social media so come follow us that would be great Separately from that, and what I think is actually heading into the next question, I was actually promoted to script coordinator. I found out just before a hiatus ended, so that was pretty exciting. That's, that's what I've been up to. I've kind of had an interesting path. I started out on Lucifer actually working for a producer, an executive producer at Warner Brothers. She oversaw the pilot. So I got to work in the studio capacity for that. That's how I met Joe Henderson, who was showrunner season one of Lucifer. Now he co-showruns with Ildi Modrovich. Uh, They've been working together for the last three seasons. So I started off with them, interviewed with Joe, landed as the writer's PA. So that's production assistant. I did a lot of what I would consider like... Regular, like, more menial duties, they're super, super important. Like, don't tell a PA that they're menial. But as you develop more responsibility, you kind of see the scope of things. So as a PA, I tied up, loose ends for everyone in the office. You kind of serve as a catch-all. From there, in season two, halfway through season two, I was promoted to writer's assistant. That is the person who kind of sits in the room, takes notes for all of the writers as they break story, discuss character arcs, and just kind of where they see the season going. It's it's a really cool job because you get to see the process Very up close and hands-on, occasionally you get to participate in offering ideas that eventually you might see on screen, which is really cool. I loved working as the writer's assistant, just as I said, because you're so close to story. But an opportunity came up this season. Our script coordinator, Jen Graham, was uh, Jen Graham Amada. She just got married. She was actually promoted to staff writer. So she got staffed on Lucifer, which means she went from script coordinator and now she's actually writing the scripts, which is awesome. Her job opened up and they asked if I'd like to take over. I was super excited for the opportunity just to kind of prove myself within the team a little more. But also because script coordinator, you're dealing more with cleaning up scripts and looking for trying to track continuity and just making sure that as revisions come through that we're still tracking character. We're still making sure that all of the story fits and that we're not maybe leaving in old versions of the story that we were trying to tell. So I've learned a lot about the script writing process but also formatting and I've learned how to use the software. A screenwriter is what we operate off of. So being script coordinator has just kind of shown me what writing is like from the revision standpoint. So that's been really great. One piece of advice that I would like to give to the listeners. Uh, something that I've learned over the course of, gosh, I think it's been six years since I've moved out, been in this industry. And of course, like I, I had a very like interesting path. I worked six months as an intern unpaid while simultaneously being an assistant to a Hollywood starlet from the 60s who's amazing, Dawn Welsh. She was on Gilligan's Island. Shout out to Dawn because she's seriously one of the coolest women I've met in my life. But I started out, you know, out here six years ago doing that. I moved through reality, landed into scripted. And just finally, six years later, I've found my way into a writer's room and have moved up to script coordinator. So I think the thing to take away from that is you have to remember when you come out here, you're looking at a long game. You're not going to start off in your favorite job, more than likely. Uh, you're probably going to, ugh, gosh, man, you're going to find a couple of bad eggs before before you land upon the golden one. But with that, I think that you you just take every day in stride, set your mind on a goal, and be open to changing whatever that goal is. Just uh, if opportunity arises say yes, go after it, give, give, give it a chance. If, if it is something that you're passionate about or that moves you at the time, I think it was Dolly Parton who said like, she doesn't have any regrets because everything she's ever done was exactly what she wanted to at the time. And I I am a firm supporter of that. But the other thing I would offer up is that while you're doing that, while you're chasing those dreams and you're, you're just going as hard as you can for the life that you want, stay humble. And and just be kind to the people around you, whether, you know, whether they're PAs or executives, whether they're in the industry or they're just like your friend from back home's kid sister who just really wants someone to tell them about celebrities. I mean, it's it's such a bizarre world and you meet so many great people out here. Just be be open and be humble and be kind and try and give back uh, when you have the opportunity. Try and help others. Because this industry, it can be really tough, but I think the more you surround yourself with good people and elevate those good people, the more you will realize that it doesn't have to be a difficult place to live. It, it, we can make this a lot easier for ourselves just by being good people. So I, that's, that's what I would offer.
0: And next up, Stephen Daronset from PT41 Writing for Children's Animation has been working away on some new projects, and he has an update for us on that.
3: Hey, Alex. Hey, Nick. It's Stephen Daronset answering your question. So what have I been up to since we last talked? Well, I started another draft of my family feature film and hope to have it out there to be read before the end of summer. It's turned out great. Really, really happy with it. I kind of feel like I might be pivoting away from the whole preschool stuff, but I imagine I'll always be involved with the genre in some form. Yeah, I've been paid to do a punch-up on a pilot of someone else's writing. And how do I approach it? What are the advantages and pitfalls of this kind of work? Well, I try to remember to be respectful of the work I'm about to change. Uh, I like to review all the materials associated with the project, including art and a Bible or anything else someone might wants to include to help me understand the show better. Even if I'm just editing a script, I just like to see where the client is coming from and what his or her sensibilities are and uh, what she's trying to achieve with it. After discussing what I want to do, and the client seems on board with it, and uh, I dive right in, uh, I kind of try to treat it as something that's mine as I'm writing it, but you know, try to keep in mind that it's not. Recently, on this project, I was pinching up. I got some positive feedback in the first draft I turned in; they loved it, but you know they had notes, including requesting that I change back a few things. And this is fine, and I'll make the changes. Notes are always to be expected, but like, but like they like 90% of what I did. Clearly that's a victory. You know, they already did the hard work, which is creating this from scratch, and I am just brought on board to make it better, to help the project meet its full potential. You know, that's just one of the advantages. What's one piece of advice or something I've learned recently that I'd like to share with the listeners? i don't have any new advice i always encourage writers to write every day even if it's just a sentence some days all i can manage the time or have creative willpower is for just writing one sentence and that sounds crazy but if that's all i get done then you know at least i'm doing something and often i'm surprised that it leaves me thinking about the script hours later and one sentence might just set you off on a whole new creative track you know it's never anticipated so there's that, and oh, don't ever quit your day job. Seriously, LA is getting more expensive by the week. You know, keep something in your back pocket.
1: For our next guest, I actually went on location to interview Sam Miller, who was on our web series and TV writing episode number 27. So we now go live to the parking lot of the Carving Board on Sunset. We're now live with Sam Miller, who was on uh, the 27th episode of Paper Team. How's it going, Sam? Uh, It's good. Thanks for having me back. Thank you for uh, being here. Tell us, what have you been up to since your episode? We spoke in
4: December, and in January, we released a short film that I wrote and produced for New Forum Entertainment called American Airness, so you can go online and check that out. It's in the world of competitive air guitar, starring a YouTube guy by the name of Owen Rogers, who has a new TBS animated show. And right now, we're trying to figure out what the next steps of that would be, and also sort of meeting
1: and talking to other people and see what you can figure it out. Awesome. Now, clearly, you're heavily involved in the digital space. What are your thoughts on what's been happening with CISO and OTTs and kind of the whole world over the past few weeks?
4: I think for the last couple of years, we saw a lot of expansion and bold investment by people. And I think as the market is kind of settling, just like we're sort of seeing a decline in peak TV, I think we're also going to see a decline in sort of digital spending. Uh So I think things like CISO closing down, there's been talk of like maybe NBC is going to go sort of the CBS All Access route. So I just think you're going to see a lot of consolidation and a lot of people realizing that maybe some of the bets they took didn't pay off. So they're going to get a little bit more conservative for the next year, I would think.
1: Do you think that culling is more to do with the specificities of those networks or like, you know, the OTTs? Or is it more of a question of that money that is being spent now going towards more mainstream content?
4: I think viewer habits haven't shifted enough yet. Netflix is a household name and people have the Netflix habit, but I don't think people ever developed a CISO habit. And so when you're talking about some of those below the netflix amazon hulu i mean frankly even amazon and hulu are fighting for market share against netflix right now so while everyone kind of sees it as the future we're in year 15 of the sort of 30-year media cycle that is going from cable to digital broadband so you know we're in the middle here things are still going to shake out over the next five years at least
1: now clearly you've grown a lot in the six months that uh, we've seen each other Uh, do you have any new advice or thoughts for our listeners working in digital or writing uh, comedy
4: for writing comedy i think it's it's interesting i always go back to like old stuff and so it's always kind of fun to just sort of check out vaudeville and if you haven't done your comedy homework i feel like a lot of the old stuff can be new again then on the digital side of stuff it's really just trying to consume as much as possible and sort of understand what's going on out there and keeping up with the news because
1: that's all anyone can really do all right awesome thank you sam And uh, back to you,
0: Alex. Thanks, Alex. And uh, up next, we have Chris Corvette, the veteran TV writer from our PT18 Australian TV episode. He has a few things to catch us up on, including a really great
5: initiative he's been taking for younger writers. Since I spoke to you guys, I've been back in Melbourne writing away on various projects. I've also been doing a lot of um, helping other writers, and some of that came out of my chat with you guys, I think while we were recording the podcast, uh, Nick was talking about uh, working as a writer in Melbourne and said that um, no one really helps you. And I think I piped up and said, hang on, look, I, I help lots of writers. And then I had to uh, reflect on that afterwards and go, well, yeah, I did help lots of writers, but, you know, that usually just took the form of um, Going out and having a cup of tea with a young writer and giving them a a pep talk. And I started to think about that afterwards and thought, well, look, is there a way to actually give some more practical help? So, what I've, what I did was uh, entered into a bit of a conversation with uh, Nick, at which point he said, uh, maybe you should help this person, and maybe you should help this person. What about this person? So suddenly I was having um, lots of cups of tea with lots of writers I hadn't met and they all turned out to be lovely and people that I wanted to um, to help. So in the end what I did was I thought, look, let's start putting writers together into little groups. So I formed this big group of screenwriters, which was probably about, God, I think it's worked out to be about 25 writers in the end. And uh, we just meet up probably about twice a month, not the whole group. I just do it in groups of five. And it's just a very simple process where within that group of five writers, each writer gets up and tells the story of their feature or short or pilot episode or whatever in a five minute version. They don't do a sort of a pitch about theme or about how this is going to hit the marketplace or any of that. They just say this happens, then this happens, then this happens, then this happens. So they They tell the story. And at the end of that time, the group then gives feedback. They ask questions. They talk about which bits were clear to them and which bits weren't. They point out bits they thought were weak or strong. So it's all done with a lot of love in the room. But at the same time, people will talk about about weaknesses. It's not just a matter of blowing smoke in the direction of the writer's sphincter. So the, the end result of that is it gives these writers in these groups a really good chance to actually road test their story. So I've been very happy with that. I've been doing that all year. We've probably met about a dozen times so far, and I've got about another ten planned. And my hope for it is that it will that some of these writing groups will just keep going, but they'll have a, a life of their own. At the very least I hope that writers will make a new friend or meet a new writing partner or at the very least find two or three people whose opinion they trust, because it's really a matter of getting writers out of their caves. You know, it is such an isolating job anyway, but if writers just think that they can go into their cave and, you know, write a magical piece of writing and then come out and everyone's going to love it, then that's delusional. So part of the aim was really to sort of get writers I may as well pursue this metaphor now, get them out of their um cave and back to the fireside where they belong, telling stories. So the sooner you can do that in a process, the process of writing, the better. What I find is sometimes people have spent four years writing 20 different drafts of the script, but haven't really tested it on people. So well, they've tested it on professional readers or professional um, script experts with the funding bodies, but they haven't actually tested it on an audience in microcosm. So they're sometimes shocked when bits of the story don't work. And the thing is, when you actually have to tell the story, it makes it very clear right away. So even even just the process of telling it, there's times where just as it's coming out your mouth, you're going, oh, then she did this and now she's doing that, where your brain just says, that's bullshit. she wouldn't do that. And you don't get that same mechanism necessarily when you're sitting there in your cave writing your 115 pages of screenplay. So that's been really useful. So, hey, thanks to you guys for planting that idea. I really love doing that. So I'm keen to see whether that idea will take off. I basically said to the writers that we would do it for a year and just see what happens. So at the end of this year, we'll see where it is and who's still interested. Some people, it's not for them. So... Some people have come, come along and they've done it and they've just gone, yeah, that doesn't really help me. So ideally at the end there'll be a group of people who that process does work for and then uh, we'll see if we want to keep that going or let it evolve into something else. But I certainly recommend that that sort of methodology for anyone. And the great thing about that is it doesn't necessarily mean that you need lots of experts. You have peers together listening to your story. And again, it plugs into that thing that Billy Wilder said, which is once you get almost any group of people together and put them in an audience, their IQ doubles, you know, and it's true. You can, we've all got built into us. We're all watching however many hours of screen and listening to stories all that. you know, half of our waking lives. So we carry with us, you know, that knowledge, even though we don't know it, of what works and what doesn't work with an audience and we've been been carrying that around since the since the caves so if you do get a group of people together and you ask the right questions um, you can start to tell whether a story works with that group of people or not so that's been fantastic so I've been up to that doing my own writing and then um, doing my work with this group of writers which I have found fascinating and fun and inspiring really. And we've also just been working on how to talk to other writers about their work, you know, obviously saying that's crap, it doesn't always help. Um, but also saying, oh, I loved it. It's fantastic. Doesn't necessarily help. There's somewhere in between where you can actually ask the right questions and ask them in the right way that the writer will take them on board. So, hey, thanks for that, guys. And uh, hopefully that sort of idea can be adopted by other people. Well, that does sound like a cool initiative
1: that uh, Chris sure. is doing.
0: Yeah, it's great.
1: And in other guest news, Now we're going to be catching up with Maggie Herman, who I interviewed all the way back in our 10th episode when we went on the road to Comic-Con or from Comic-Con to discuss TV line budgeting. That was all the way back in 2016, like July 2016. It's been almost a year oh um, while we're getting old, uh, but she may have a whole new perspective on this subject now, as you'll see in a moment. I'm here with Maggie Herman, who was the star of our Comic-Con 2016 <laughs> episode last year. Uh, how's it going, Maggie?
6: It's great. How are you?
1: I'm good. Are you going to Comic-Con this year?
6: Uh, hopefully. Hopefully. Uh, hopefully. I'm not sure yet.
1: So tell us, what have been up to since uh, basically a year ago?
6: Well, we had uh, Bosch Season 3, um, and then in February, I got hired at TBS as the production coordinator. So I'm now in-house... Uh, loving life loving a consistent schedule and a 401k and okay. vacation days um and not uh, freelance anymore so i'm in-house so i work on every single show that tbs has from people of earth and search party and wrecked and the detour the new tracy morgan show and then i also work on our late night stuff so conan and samantha b
1: what is your official job title
6: Production coordinator.
1: Production coordinator. How did you transition into uh, that position?
6: What happened was my old boss from the agency that I worked at had gotten an email from the person who I eventually replaced at TBS saying, you know, do you have any people that you would recommend? And I had actually already talked to him uh, through the agency. So he knew me and I knew all the bosses and basically, um, yeah, an old boss recommended me and uh, I nailed it.
1: Nailed it. (laughs) (laughs) What's your day to day like now?
6: It's basically my role is to be the production office before the production office is set up. So, for instance, um, right now we're working on the show Miracle Workers, uh, which is Simon Rich, who wrote Man Seeking Woman for FX. And he has a new show that's going to be Daniel Radcliffe and Owen Wilson and basically i had to find them the writers room so i was the person who was going to all these real estate agents and finding offices and then going to the offices and having uh, our ep's go and tour and then negotiating the lease signing the lease and then basically once once we get all of our scripts i'm the person who sends them to our legal department to our standards and practices department um i you know, loop in post and see how that process is gonna work. I also work with my bosses to work on the schedule and the budget and um, hire everyone. And then I'm also the person who does all of the paperwork. So right now I'm working on Daniel Radcliffe needs a visa. And then we also need to do all the travel. So we have like a travel agent but we don't have any production office at all. So uh, we just hired a line producer. They don't even start for a few weeks. So if any travel needs to happen through me, we also need to find a production office in Atlanta. But I work with, like, the <laughs> transportation department and, like, uh, make sure we're doing all our fuel logs. Like, it's so necessary because it's how TV gets made, but it's so, like, unglamorous.
1: I mean, on the flip side, you're one visa degree away from uh, Daniel Radcliffe. That's I right.
6: am so excited. I got his passport in my email once, and I flipped a sh- Passport photo. And I was like, oh, like stars are just like us. They look like total creepers in their passport photos too. But uh, no, it's been great. And I and I really, um, you know, I work with every single department. So from creative, we get, you know, we'll get beat sheets and we'll get scripts and we'll see how many locations we're going to look at and how many extras we're going to have. And we talk to casting and how many people they're going to need to hire. And we're basically building the budget from... The starting of the script so it's really interesting to see you know how for instance when i first started um in february we we were just starting um to get wrecked season two started and right now it's airing so it's like i saw everything from the art department getting clearances for every single thing that they were using whether it was a tattoo or a t-shirt uh, logo and right now we're doing tracy morgan and that's a whole thing with um you know, I'll do things like nudity writers, like we'll we'll have, you know, simulated sex in an episode, and if our legal department no- doesn't know from me to get, you know, to write up a, a, a nudity writer, someone could sue us. Um, Wait, a
1: nudity writer? Yeah. What does that mean?
6: Hilarious name. Uh, it's basically like, this is what we're going to see. So they'll send it and be like, um, you know, we'll see Tracy Morgan's lower buttocks and... Um, you know, thighs, or like, it'll be like, we'll see this person's side boob. And they just like have to sign it. So they're like, you know, when this goes on air, they won't sue us and say that they, you know, never knew that this was going to happen. Basically, everything we do is just to protect ourselves from lawsuits.
1: Is it kind of the flip side of uh, your position? Because you worked in kind of line, the line budget and so is this kind of like approval for line budgeting?
6: Basically, yeah. Like uh, my old job was basically to, you know, go through each actor's contract and make sure it was all correct before my boss were to sign it. And this time on my job, it's like the casting department is doing this. I'm correcting it before it even goes to the line producer assistant, basically sending stuff to the person who I used to be on the show. It's really fun. It's really interesting, too, to see the differences between shows that we license. For example, People of Earth is Warner Horizon, so they do all of their own clearances, and all I do for them is basically standards and practices, and um, if there's any production meetings, we have to go to those. But we're pretty much hands-off. And then things like Search Party, they're not licensed, but it's through a company called Jax Media. They do like Broad City, I think, and they do... Um, they did the Jim Gaffigan show I don't know they do a lot of stuff for us and so basically we don't do any of their travel stuff we don't do we basically pay a license fee but it's not quite licensing it's just they do the production services on their end and we're just covering our butts like standards and practices wise and then we also have um, a ton of new animation stuff that's happening which is interesting because some of it's through Cartoon Network uh, one of them is through Rough House which is Danny McBride's company and then all of it is basically animated um, in South Korea so we're on it until it's shipped to be animated and then it basically takes a whole year to get back to us so like right now like we just we just bought this show The Cops um, which is Albert Brooks and Lucy C.K. as Buddy Cops animated in LA and it's going to be hilarious but um, basically uh, we do everything that we can until it gets shipped to South Korea and then I mean it'll be like a year and a half before we even see anything that's also fun. Do
1: you have any interesting standards and practices, story?
6: God. Uh, (laughs) Yes, but it involves a spoiler for Search Party Season 2. So, spoiler alert. No, I'm going to tell you. Spoiler alert. (laughs) Uh, No, it's great. It's uh, hilarious. But basically, someone, I'm not saying who, and it's not even like a character, someone has sex with a tree. And basically, what they want to do, this is all Michael Showalter, by the way, sending me pictures of the hole that they're going to have sex with, but it's like dressed up like a lady's face. And we were like, I don't know if we can like see, it doesn't have to like look like a lady. Like they have to like, we basically give them exact instructions to make it look a little bit less like he's actually a tree. It's hilarious. We get those all the time. Like Tracy Morgan, like wanted to have a, uh, basically be wrapped in a towel that would look like a hundred dollar bill, but with ladies butts on them. And we were like, "Please send us this photo, so I can send it to S and P, and then you're fine." Like it turned out, it was like, "That's totally fine." Like, please, send
1: please it. send it. Uh, please send a photo, so I can send it to S P and then yep. make it my Facebook profile picture.
6: <laughs> exactly. Basically, also they had found this that was, that was already a, a towel that they were going to buy, but that we didn't know who the artist was. So usually, when we're doing clearances, we have to like pay that person who drew it and in order to use it. But instead, we we're just like, "Can you just like make it?" Can you just paint it yourself and then we'll, like, we won't pay that person. So they just, like, had to, yeah, it was great.
1: All right. Do you have any new advice for our listeners, either writers or people who want to follow your own path?
6: Any new advice? Um, Writers, I think that you have to think about how things are made. So when you're thinking about, I think I said this in our original interview, but, like, when you're going to write something that takes place in outer space or like has a huge explosion or something. It has to be absolutely critical to the plot or else it's probably going to get destroyed in development. Um, Because you have to think about how much stuff you have budgeted for. And, um, you know, when we were working on wrecked, we had to blow up a ski do and we were like, how many ski doos can we possibly afford? Like, is it central to the plot? that we blow this up and um and it turned out it was obviously but just think about exactly what goes into everything that you're writing because for example tracy morgan writers like to revise a lot and once we're in production you can't revise you know the characters or like how many extras we need because we've already hired those people so just think super hard about everything that you're doing uh, before you write it. Cause you know, once it goes to the producers, we're going to make it happen. And if you don't actually want it, it's a huge waste of money. And also if you are in LA and want to get drinks and, uh, I would love to tell you more. Oh,
1: you should be careful. You yeah. like
6: free drinks. So
1: you like free drinks. All right. Uh, huh? <laughs> send us an email. Ask I if you want Maggie's phone number, I guess. Yeah, that's great. Cool. All right. Thanks Maggie.
6: <laughs> Bye.
0: And that brings us to Jimmy Wynn
1: from our 32nd episode, independent producing. And Jimmy's always a busy man, but uh, he may be busier than ever with a new project he's been working on.
7: What have I been up to since we last spoke? I took my board game documentary uh, to Cannes and we pre-sold some airlines, which is really exciting. First time I've ever done that. Getting the news was pretty f- spectacular. What else have I been doing? Eating a lot of ice cream. I've been, I've been rewriting a script that I'm supposed to direct in Serbia. It's all brand new to me, so I have no idea what to expect. And uh, writing more shorts, eating more ice cream. I think that's about it so far. Nothing too exciting. How has my duties evolved? I'm not really sure because I think I've been failing as a multitasker. Um, I've been focusing on mostly producing these days so i could make room for writing so i could eventually direct but in terms of the producing what have i done differently i i think i've had to negotiate and compromise and manage more as of the late things i envisioned for both my projects currently have come out differently um it's not necessarily a bad thing but you know, I, uh, I I just had to troubleshoot more and um, and try to make it work. And I would like to think I'm doing well. I'd like to think that the people I'm working with, you know, have enjoyed <laughs> working with me. I think that's about it. I'm trying to fit in more naps and less ice cream. Uh, any new advice for your listeners? Uh, what do, What's the advice I've been given lately? I think keep on learning, uh, which is obvious. But really develop that troubleshooting muscle and try to be aware of your ingenuity and in what you bring to the table. Because no matter how much experience you may have in things, uh, making movies is so crazy, it's so fed up in a lot of ways, and there's no real rubric to follow. You get all sorts of good advice, and depending where you're at, you know, the good advice could be horrible and the bad advice could be pretty good. Yeah. Develop that troubleshooting muscle. Develop your gut, and and what I mean by that is just read a lot, watch a lot, learn as much as possible, because that's what makes following your gut pretty good. I try to do it often, and and when I'm wrong, I um, try to learn the the le- the right lessons when I walk away from failure. Uh, my favorite thing lately has has been reminding myself that it's okay to fail and to fail as quickly as possible uh this is a piece of advice that's been given to me a lot and i love it and i love hearing it every time because i it's it's a mantra i i live by but yeah that's about it
0: and last but certainly not least gary sunt who was a guest on one of our most popular episodes pt43 assisting tv comedy writers and uh he has some big and we mean monstrously big news (laughs)
1: All right, I am here with Gary Sunt, who was in our Assisting TV Comedy Writers episode, aka PT43, one of our most popular episodes. Uh, It cracked the top 10 recently uh, out of uh, basically 50 episodes. Uh, How are you doing, Gary?
8: I'm doing well. I just found out that information. I'm glad that it cracked the, uh, the episode. I guess a lot of people want to be writer assistants. It makes sense.
1: So tell us, what have you been up to since that episode?
8: Uh, Mostly in post on Death Note. We just wrapped it, and uh, then it was announced that Adam Wingard, my uh, current boss, is uh, doing uh, Godzilla vs. Kong for Legendary, and I am joining him along the ride for that. And I know you're a pretty
1: big Kong fan, so how is that for you?
8: Well, it's uh, it's actually funny when when it got announced, uh, Adam tweeted my Kong tattoo, which I've had for years, and do my darndest to uh, to represent the monkey as, uh, as as well as I possibly can.
1: So, are you telling us that your shoulder is world famous?
8: Right now, it has like 200 likes on Twitter. Does that count?
1: <laughs> 200. That's actually pretty low. I was expecting like thousands of likes.
8: <laughs> well, you know, I mean, who who watches anything these days? Trump's very exciting to watch. Who, who needs to go see anything else?
1: Especially uh, a tattoo of a King Kong on someone's shoulder. Uh, I'm hoping someone printed it out and like has it as a poster like you know those teenage fangirls who have like a boys band as uh, oh, on their poster yeah,
8: yeah. Well the, uh, the, the funny thing is it's actually based on poster art from like the original 1933 version so it would be hilarious if somebody printed out my tattoo because I'm like you really should have just gone to the source. it's not that original.
1: To Adam Wenger's assistant, how is being a director's assistant different from being a writer's assistant?
8: Um, uh, it's pretty much a wildly different job. When when you're writing, you're focusing on one aspect of the entire piece, and I think that that's not something that everybody always thinks about. But when you're when you're writing, you're just focusing on the story part of it. But directing sort of encompasses the reality of making something. Like if you want to be a writer, uh, write anything and get it put out by anybody and that makes you a writer and on the directing side of things you you know and that's not to uh minimize anything that writers do by the way that's like crafting a story creating all these characters is hugely important but the reality of creating video content whether it be for television or for movies directing is a pretty comprehensive job and so you end up kind of working with every department and every part of the process you know, soup to nuts, which is actually really, uh, really gratifying. It's, uh, it's, it's great. I love everybody that I, that I work with. It's a great team that was on Death Note, and uh, it looks like it's going to be a great team shaping up to work on Godzilla vs. Kong. They're all really great people.
1: What's kind of your day-to-day as a director's assistant?
8: A lot of it is getting a lot of information. Really, the only way that I know how to describe it is uh, being a translator, so having having worked in a lot of different departments and having done a lot of indie film myself and you know directed a few, like several things and written things and produced things and filmed things uh, I've worked boom like I've done a lot of different jobs and so the nice thing about walking into this job is, is that I largely think that it's a translator job so somebody gives me a piece of information but they speak production supervisor speak and then jump over to another department and I get the information from them and they speak their language and then I translate all of that into like the language that the director speaks and get the answers from him and then sort of move it back through the chain so really it's it's kind of like everybody's speaking English but um as I think we've all known by being alive uh everybody thinks pretty differently and so I that's that's the best way to describe my job is taking information and facilitating it between people, and then um, whenever there's a question, and we need to think about something and figure something out, using all of that sort of eclectic experience to help come up with those answers.
1: Now, with all that experience under your belt, do you have any new advice for our listeners?
8: It all depends. Uh, if If I'm directing this at people that specifically want to be TV writers, and what they want to do is write for a television show that is the advice that i had before write 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 get it in the hands of people that can you know start that conversation that i think that that still holds true in terms of a grander more career uh, encompassing thing it's don't think you can predict the future i think is the one thing that i'd say which is you know i think that we get really caught in with the idea of like what it is we're going to do and how our careers are going to move or you know an opportunity opens up and all of a sudden we go from a to z we go from a all the way through every experience we've ever had to this big old goal at the end of it and it's sort of like take the experience as it comes because you never quite know what is going to happen And the opportunities that are going to present themselves are going to offer you lanes that may be more uh, exciting than you could have imagined. I guess if you're writing in TV, write, write, write. But keep your eyes open because there's a lot of very exciting things out there.
1: Well, thank you, Gary.
8: Thank you, Alex. And uh, say hi to Nick
1: for me. (laughs) He's not here? And happy 4th of July belated,
8: because that's what we're doing this at right now. Oh,
1: spoiler alert. You're just ruining the the fantasy that uh, we recorded all these segments at a specific time and place.
8: Yes, I nailed it.
1: (laughs) Back to you guys in the studio, (laughs) which is my apartment. We've looked at some of our awesome episodes and our awesome guests. Now let's go meta and take a look at the show itself over the past year and we've had some changes and new
0: cool things that happen right nick we have i mean obviously the biggest one of that is the fact that we got ourselves a sponsor in tracking board and that has just helped us so much to be able to keep bringing this podcast to you we really appreciate the support and it doesn't mean that uh, Alex and I are, you know, rolling in cash or anything. All it means is that it's just a little bit easier for us to bring this content to you and, and then pay for things like the upcoming transcripts that we're, we haven't, well, we even have a few back, back transcripts now too. Exactly. I mean, especially for the episodes that are
1: singular topics, as we said, not necessarily the, the guest episodes yet, but definitely the ones that are um, very packed with content. We have transcripts available starting with the world building, which is PT 44. And I think it's every other episode basically. Yeah. And you can access those at paperteam.co slash number of the episodes and transcripts. So yeah. paperteam.co
0: slash 44 transcript. And something that's really important to, to us about that as well is that it does provide more access to the episode for people who are perhaps hearing impaired and they still want to be able to enjoy our content. Exactly. I mean, we did receive a few emails throughout the, the past months, and
1: transcripts are so expensive that it was really hard for us to justify on a financial level to do them. But now that we've got this awesome sponsor we feel really grateful that we're able to provide
0: the same content to everyone Mm -hmm. and honestly as we have mentioned before their competition is legit it will get your attention if you do well in it we're not just promoting them for the sake of promoting them I think that they are a great organization they can help people out but don't forget to use the code paper team all caps all one word at the checkout for $15 $15. why would you I'm gonna hand you 15 free dollars why would you know what (laughs) that'd be awesome Nick (laughs) Uh, another great thing that we had recently is a live event, a WonderCon panel. Yes. How fun was that? That was amazing. I love WonderCon. I love all the cons.
1: This was just a blast. I mean, we had, we basically had a packed house. I, honestly, I got to be real. I was very skeptical we're going to have a packed house. Mm-hmm. We were scheduled as the last panel of the con, like literally, literally, the, literally last the last one. We were against. Starship Smackdown, which is the panel I usually go to, we were against uh Con Talkback, which is usually the feedback panel, and we were just alone in our little
0: panel room. I thought we we're gonna have a couple of stragglers to kind of like accidentally walk <laughs> into our room and be like, "Wait, you mean this isn't Starship Smackdown?" But, that would be
1: funny. We should have done like a Starship Smackdown but, within the fan panel. Yeah,
0: I guess people just responded to the topic we were talking about and really wanted to hear from us, and we just had such a really great response too. After the panel, we had people live tweeting what we were talking about. We had people shooting us a bunch of tweets saying how much they enjoyed it and it was just all around a really warm fuzzy experience yeah it was amazing and our guests were so amazing and so on point through and through it was just great yeah we can't wait to do it again next year and hopefully maybe some other live events coming up in the future Ooh.
1: is that a tease nick is that Ooh, a tease we'll see, we'll stay, see. Tuned. stay tuned stay tuned
0: oh also uh, one thing i wanted to mention is that alex and i appeared as guests on another little podcast out there called the will sean podcast uh, with a question mark at the end will what? sean what? Podcast. podcast uh and was this really some fun great guys <laughs> they just kind of shoot the uh,
7: <laughs>
0: no, they were they were really cool We just kind of talked about pop culture We talked about our podcast And uh, ranted about some things And we had a really fun time So if you want to go check that out It's actually episode
1: 255 I'll be making a link just for you, Nick To access that episode directly It's going to be balco slash will Sean. How nice. about that? You can access that episode directly Boom
0: Very cool And perhaps Given that we had our good friend Hilliard On our podcast recently We might find ourselves In his screenwriter's rant room soon We'll be Ranting about things. <laughs> More ranting. What, you, ranting. what do you want to
1: rant about, Alex? <sighs> so you, you should uh, flash back to maybe 15 minutes ago in this very episode. I talked about finances and, and the world <laughs> we live in. I think that's going to be what I'll be ranting about. Nice. I'll uh, build up some stuff to get that rant on. <laughs> Now it's time for some stats. Now, back in PT25, our Christmas episode, we had a little quiz about our stats and popular episodes as well as demographics mm-hmm. just for you, Nick. And now I think it's time to do an updated version for our 50th episode. Oh, interesting. Or, say, you. Let's see how I do. Let's compare the scorecards. All right. Let's first start with our top 10 episodes. Oh, man. 10? Top 10. I just want what you think is in the top 10. Can I have a look at a list of episodes while I do this? <laughs> we've done so many we've done 49 before this one that you gotta take a look yeah. yes you can definitely but. go on paperteam.co to take a look at our list of episodes
0: okay so here are my picks does it have to be in order <laughs> not in order just give me okay i mean i think i can do two in order i'm pretty certain that episode six and episode one are going to be number one and two given that they were so early on in our run that is and incorrect think- actually oh oh incorrect. interesting okay Well, um, either way i think those are definitely in the top 10 um they are i can tell you that much Let's see what else. I think perhaps, well, let's see, I got eight left. Um, I think people would have listened to Pilot 101. That is PT30. That is correct. It is in the top 10. Okay. Um, the other two were in the top 10 as well, right? Yes. Okay. I think Spec Script 101. Yes, that is in the top 10. Good. I'm four for four. I'm going to take a stab and say PT09, how to be a great production assistant. It is not in oh, the top 10. Oh, I missed. I missed All right, I got five more guesses. Uh, PT-39, our BoJack Horseman episode. Yes, that is in the top Excellent. 10. I knew people would like that one. Um, I'm thinking procedurals too, PT-40. That is not in the Ooh. top 10, but it is in our top 20. Okay, so. I think I got like three guesses left. So I'm going to just go out there with uh, Independent Producing featuring Jimmy at PT-32. No. Um, damn. All right, one so more guest. One more guest?
1: One, one more, more guest.
0: Guess. <laughs> one more guest. One more guest. Uh... <laughs> I'm just going to take a shot on one of my favorites and say, oh, of course, no, Wait, how could I miss this? The WonderCon episode, uh, that would be PT-38, the WonderCon panel episode. PT-38 is not in our what? top 10. What are you people doing? Listen to that episode.
1: I know. I cannot even. All right. Number 10 is PT-22, joke writing, stand up at late night TV with Simon Taylor. Oh, yeah. Simon yeah. Taylor is a following. What can I say? That's He's true. a pretty big guy, I guess. Number nine, PT13, our TV Pitching 101 episode. Hmm. That was a good overview of what to say. Number eight, PT04, Spec versus Pilot, what you should be writing next. Hmm. That was a pretty helpful episode, so can't hate. Number seven, PT33, TV writing competitions. People like the useful, the practical, bite-sized piece advice, I feel like. Number six is PT39, with Allison Tafel talking about BoJack Horseman. Excellent. Then we got PT34, TV spec script. Number four out of 50 episodes, PT35, supplemental income for writers. Wow,
0: people really are into like, not dying on the street. <laughs> They're <into> not dying <laughs> on the street, yes, thank you.
1: Uh, top three. Number three, a very first episode. Nice. Number two, PT06, which you mentioned earlier as a must re listen about the writer's room process. And last but not least, our most listened to episode currently is PT30 TV Pilot 101. Nice. That's what you
0: got to do. You got
1: to write a great pilot. That's how you get there. Now, let's do a quick update on the platforms to see if you're still in the tech world. I don't know what I was going to say. In the, in the what? In the, I'm in the uh,
0: Matrix. In the Matrix, yes. All right. where do you think is our number one platform and uh, the percentage? It's still got to be... Like iPhones, iTunes. I don't know what, I, well, I mean, let iOS. me let me ask. Another no. client. What the, are the, the options. platforms?
1: Um, iOS, Windows, Mac, Android. iOS. iOS. Uh, what percentage? Forty-two. Fifty-eight mm-hmm. percent. iOS number one. Nice. Number two. Number two is Android. Number two is Windows. <laughs> oh. Windows sixteen point five. Number three, Mac, fourteen percent number four with only six percent representing android what about Uh, what about linux linux uh let me see the full list linux is right after multi-platform whatever that means nice boot Uh, boot those kernels guys (laughs) linux 0.6 percent. 183 downloads through linux
0: nice i think it's one person maybe hello out there
1: hello (laughs) hello into the into the ether i mean in terms of the clients number one 35% 35% iPhones. Number two, still ahead of anything else besides iPhones, obviously. Chrome. People love listening to the podcast on their desktop. It's a good browser. 20%. 20%. Then we got podcasts for iTunes, iTunes, Pocket Cast, which I use. I love Pocket Cast. I used to use that when I had an Android. Only 3%. Get yeah. on it. Get on it.
0: It's great. Come on, guys. Good on.
1: All right. Really quickly, let's, uh, let's go back to our geography. Okay. I think, I mean, honestly... Spoiler alert, not much has changed, but I'm really curious about your thoughts on just the top 10. Okay. Obviously, number one, USA. Number two, Australia. Australia. Number three, Canada. Canada. Number four, France. Incorrect. UK. Incorrect.
0: Wow. South Africa. (laughs) Incorrect. Germany?
1: Incorrect. Number four, Japan. Oh, okay. Japan. Number five, UK. Number six, Germany. Number seven, Ireland. Number eight, Argentina. Argentina. Number nine, France. Which is not bad, considering this is not a French podcast. <laughs> um, it's also not a Japanese. Podcast, it's not a ju- but... exactly. It's not a
0: Japanese podcast either. Um, it could be. Wow. I'll remember my, my high school Japanese. Please talk Japanese. Konnichiwa, watashi wa Nick desu. Hello, I'm Nick. How are you? how are you uh do you have a japanese following is that what we have maybe maybe i'm like i feel like when i went there when i was 15 i was kind of popular because i had like short blonde spiky hair and so like they were like oh my god Look at this guy. He looks so different. And so I think maybe it's just like I have like a diehard fan base over there somewhere.
1: So 10 years later, someone Googled you and found this podcast (laughs) and just downloaded massively. Honestly, there's over 700 downloads. Like this isn't an individual. This is probably multiple people in Japan. Great. So that's awesome. We are cross-continental. This is amazing. We're kind of already there with Australia, but let's be real. (laughs) Japan is even more awesome. Absolutely. Now, on the U.S. front, obviously, California is number one, New York number two. What do you think is number three? Illinois.
0: <laughs> what? I don't know. Why Illinois? Like Chicago.
1: Oh, I see. Yeah. I mean, number three is Florida, actually. Oh. Number four, Texas. Number five, Pennsylvania. Number six, Georgia. Number seven, Illinois. Oh. Ohio? Is Ohio in there? Nope. Okay. Virginia.
0: Then, New Jersey. 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 Uh, Man, Ohio is right towards the bottom. Okay. I guess my visit back to my girlfriend's family in Christmas did not recruit a lot of followers.
1: Maybe you were the one downloading in Ohio. Is that what happened? (laughs) Probably. I mean, I will say this. We've had month over month growth, obviously, of the podcast, but every month that we've released an episode weekly, we've done better than the previous month, which is just amazing.
0: Yeah, I'm really glad that we have more, more and more people tuning in.
1: That is amazing. Thank you, listeners, for... Everything. Yeah, Absolutely. Like everything. All right. Now let's go back to uh, our own lives. We did an episode on
0: goal setting earlier this year, but it uh, turns out <laughs> we forgot to set any goals to Uh-oh. follow up on. So we've just been drifting aimlessly through the ether <laughs> uh, out there alone in the universe with no direction. Yeah. yeah I- I think we could have at least had one direction, right? Oh. <laughs> no, please. Please no. Please no. Please no. But uh, what have you been up to, Nick? It's been so long. I feel like I don't really know you anymore. Yeah, I never see you, Alex. Um, I definitely don't see you every week. (laughs) Um, Well, I just recently finished a comedy feature that I've been writing with a friend of mine for oh god, a year and a half now. I met him at Austin Film Festival two years ago. Uh, He's a very funny dude. He's a stand-up, and um, he is a stand-up. Is that what you say? Yeah, he's a stand-up comedian. Is that do people say he's a stand-up? Not a stand-up. People say people say comic. People say stand-up. Wow. I've never used stand up as a as a. Noun, it's it's I guess. a thing. It's a thing now. Wow. Uh, anyway, so we did a first draft of that and we did a table read and realized there were some massive plot holes and things that didn't make <laughs> sense and like stakes that didn't carry over. And so you know, we went back and we spent a lot of time rebreaking it, like probably at least a month or two to just re-breaking the story. And then we finally sat down and and powered it out, and we're really happy with it. So I'm going to start sending that out soon and see uh, what the responses are like to that. Was this your first feature? It is, actually. I've only really written pilot stuff. Like I've done Um, treatments for features. I've done outlines, all that kind of thing. I feel like I might have had like some failed attempts to start them, but this is the first one I fully finished, and I'm super happy with. So that's awesome. Yeah, I'm also uh,
1: in the process of outlining my own first features. So I feel like it's kind mm-hmm. of in the in the ether now mm-hmm. to do features, popping out feature cherries. <laughs> yes, uh, I mean it, it's it's interesting. It's definitely different. I feel like for you it must be even harder because for me, obviously, it's like a forty-five, you know, like a sixty-page script mm-hmm. to jump to
0: ninety-ish script isn't that big of a deal but i feel like for you yeah it's, it's uh, like writing three or four pilots it's, wow. it's a lot it is such a slug writing a feature but there's something nice about it too i like the fact that I think you can potentially, if you write such a great feature, you can, you can just pick up this script and hand it to someone and someone can go and make it. Whereas if you write a TV pilot script, so many other things have to go right for you to get it set up in a network and get a pilot and people like the pilot and you order the series. Like there's something beautiful about the simplicity of a great feature script and someone goes, here's the money. Let's start rolling cameras. You know, that's usually how it happens. I'm sure. I agree. I mean, it's not that easy, but yes, basically. <laughs> I was going to make like a story by McKee joke somewhere, but uh, I'll avoid it. I'm sorry. I think it's a, it's around page 10. We, were, we drew for a story by McKee joke yeah. <laughs> at this exact juncture. I thought you were going to say page 10 is the joke in the book, but uh, I don't I don't know the book by heart enough to comment on that. Oh, yeah. And my writing partner, Kelly, and I, we also finished uh, an 11-minute kids pilot Ooh. recently instead of the half hours had been turning out because you're starting to get a little bit more work in that area how is that different it's interesting you really like I'm very ambitious when I break story and I try to cram a lot of story into things. And we realized very quickly that you had to tell a quite a simple story with a couple of beats and you can't have multiple interlocking ABC stories. It's really just the one main thread and maybe you have a bit of a runner in there. So it's interesting to to be able to dial that down to a 15 page script instead of a 30 page script. Wow.
1: Yeah, on my own. And I've also finished a, a draft of a new pilot that is, I think I mentioned in the prose episode About how I like to sort of do my own take on different genres and whatever. But this pilot is kind of a primetime soap Mm -hmm. uh, by and large. So it's very different from my very serious kind of intrinsic kind of pieces before. And... I kind of let loose. I feel like in the pros especially, I went kind of wild because obviously I was looking at Chandra Rhymes. I was looking at, you know, The O.C., all those kind of crazy, uh, almost teen. I mean, it isn't Gossip Girl by any means, but it's trending towards that ABC primetime spot. So if you look at Revenge and all those shows, they have a very specific way of phrasing things. So it was almost like liberating to go full. I don't know if it's like going full. Um, crazy necessarily, but it's definitely more liberating.
0: Yeah, I like to imagine that you went down to like Newport Beach and put on a backwards cap and you're just like board shorts and shirtless typing on the beach, like really channeling your like OC vibes. And- <laughs> yes, I was thinking, uh, <laughs> where is it? California <inaudible> <Here we come inaudible> or whatever. <inaudible> yeah, I don't know the name. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to the OC. <laughs> I mean Kelly and I's episodes of the mystery has brochure that I still can't name, Ooh. I think might be coming out next year. It's really hard to say given the, the length the run-up time for animation production, but that will be exciting to see something we did on screen. I know our friend Frankie recently had a viewing party for her episode.
1: Yes, I was the I was the A V guy because uh, turns out Nat Geo premiered her episode an hour earlier on the West Coast. They're just so excited to they see were, Frankie's episode. They were They're so excited. To
0: send it to us sooner.
1: And I had the actual episode on my computer and they call me right as I'm about to park near the bar that they were doing the, the the screening (laughs) at Frankie's friend, at least calls me saying, Oh my God, Alex, we need this episode because Nat Geo is already airing it. We don't have it. So I need to drive home, burn it on a DVD, then lift back to the bar and do all that within like 30 minutes. So I race back to my place. I try to burn the DVD. DVD is not working. Put it on a thumb drive, bring, the laptop we are recording this very episode on of paper team to the bar i lift there plug it in with an hdmi cable the barman is really helpful he he actually brought his own kind of like jack cable for the audio long story short everything turns out perfectly we air frankie's episode at nine on the dot and the rest is history that's amazing congratulations well, congratulations uh, to her. I mean, I know, honestly, I mean, that was yeah, an amazing an amazing achievement.
0: Yeah. Otherwise, you guys are going to just have to act it out. she just pull up the script <laughs> on her phone and be like, all right, you be Albert and you be <laughs> the Nazis. I don't know.
1: Whatever. It was. <laughs> that, that would be hilarious.
0: <laughs> Hilariously terrible. Very cool. Uh, and just like one last life thing, I'm finally going to get to go back to Australia. I'm not being deported. I'm just visiting my family. And it's the first time I will have seen them in, in over three years at that point wow. because it's so expensive to fly back and it takes so long. And it's really hard to find time in between this industry. Yeah,
1: Yeah, that was the same way with me the first time I went back. I think I went back because I moved here around like 2010. The first time I I went back to France was like end of 2013. So it was about three years. And then I'm also actually going back around September to visit my family because it's Rosh Hashanah. And
0: my 10-year high school reunion although i don't know if i'm gonna be going to that but uh so if any of our number two australian fans uh want to come stalk me or any of our number nine france fans yeah uh, you know where we'll be (laughs) vaguely vaguely (laughs) (laughs) now that we've looked at
1: a urine paper team let's thank the real people who made this happen first of all we really want to thank our editors jason khan alex witzky and evan schmidt
0: For being awesome editors. Yeah, we couldn't have done it without you. I know that uh, Alex would (laughs) have never gotten to leave his house if he had to edit all these episodes, and I have no (laughs) editing skills to speak of. So thank you all. We also really want to thank, I don't know if we mentioned her, which is a crime, uh, the artist who, who did our little cartoon images for the Paper Team logo. Her name is Elena Rodriguez Miranda. She's from Spain, from the island of Mallorca. And she's a fantastic, very, very cool artist. I've been friends with her for a while now. She has done concept art for me for some of my animated shows, and it's just super cool. If you want to ever commission some art from her, you should. You can find her gallery at uh, this website called Dropper. It's D-R-O-P-R dot com slash E underscore Rodriguez. Uh, we're underscore buddies. We like to have underscores and our names and things. So <laughs> she's fantastic. And please hit her up and give her all the love. And we really want to thank Tracking Board for their sponsorship. We've already
1: mentioned them earlier in this episode, but it is really because of them that we are able to provide things like transcripts and honestly, this podcast and the editing itself on a weekly basis for you guys. Absolutely.
0: And the last people we would like to thank is our listeners. Yes. Uh, the, they're the last. I mean. They're, well, sorry. The first, yeah, and, first and last. Last, yes. last but not least, the listeners for taking their time, as always, to tune in. Uh, you can get all the show notes for this episode at peopleteamco slash 50. The big five. wow. That is amazing. Oof. And uh, in honor of our 50th episode, we would love you to gift us with some uh, congratulatory reviews, <laughs> <laughs> Nice begging, Nick. which you can put at paperteam.co slash iTunes, and uh, all those reviews will make me feel happy again. Oh, God. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> it will uh, fill a piece inside of me, a hole inside of me that uh, has, is, no, just please do it.
1: Please don't. Uh, but um, yeah, we're almost on track to getting 50 reviews, so get on it, bro. That would help. And once again, we would like to thank our sponsor, The Trucking Board's Launchpad Writing Competitions. Paper Team listeners can save $15 off their next purchase. Just use the code PAPERTEAM, all caps, all one word, at checkout to receive your discount. You can learn more about all of the Launchpad's current and upcoming writing competitions by visiting tblaunchpad.com. And as always, I'm on Twitter at tvcalling. I'm at underscore NJWatson. If you have any thoughts, feedback, opinions ideas for future topics send them to ask at paperteam.co and what's coming up next week Alex? well next week we're back to our regular scheduled programming with an episode about tv dialogue 101 Ooh. how do you write good dialogue because this episode sure isn't good dialogue.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah i was gonna say that question is a bad example of good dialogue how do i solve this case as officer? we both know nick <laughs> Oh boy. Yeah. We'll touch on a few more uh, tips and tricks on making your characters speak good. Yes.
1: <laughs> Me, Jane, you, Nick. <laughs>
0: we need a new writer for this show, guys. <laughs> All right. See you next week. See you then.